0: Hey, I'm Steph. I'm Alex. And this is Not Today. Hey, Naughties. What's up? How are you doing?
1: I'm great. And we're back in studio.
0: We are which back in studio.
1: Our bedroom. Yes.
0: Not really a studio, just our one bedroom apartment. It's
1: very luxurious.
0: Extremely. Um, I feel like we're a little bit of a delinquent this week because we aren't posting on our normal schedule, which is not great. We're sorry. We're sorry. We love you. Thank you for being here. <laughs> but if I sound a little bit um, <clears throat> sick, it's because I'm sick. Uh, and it's the first time I've been sick in about, mm, I don't know, two and a half years.
1: Yep. And in case you're wondering, it's not COVID. It's not
0: COVID. I've I've been tested. So it is not that. And yeah, so I just have a cold, but it's annoying as shit. So yeah, anyway, um, I don't know. Wait, got anything else to say before we jump in?
1: I don't think we have any other announcements
0: i well not really any more announcements but it has been brought to my attention time and time again that the only word that i use to describe the stories we talk about is uh (laughs) crazy (laughs) which like i know i know that (laughs) like i know that but um so i just thought it might be fun to maybe introduce a couple new words into our uh vocab vocab. Um, we oh god i can't snap Thank you, thank you, snaps. Um, so we have insane, which we all know. I say that you know with crazy all the time. We got kooky, uh, nutty, silly, wacky. Well, why don't you?
1: Why don't you like uh, save them and there'll be surprises that you use throughout okay. the episode. Okay. And, and then you know it'll be. I hope like this a story is
0: preposterous.
1: Oh wow. <laughs> yes. Really reach deep. Well, I mean, I do the same thing. I have wow. I use a lot. Amen. Amen. Yep. <laughs> So, <laughs> <God>. <laughs> I don't know how you got on the amen
0: train, because it's not even like we're religious or anything. No, it's just...
1: not really. But like I don't know. It just feels right. Okay. <laughs> I don't know how else to explain it. And it fits in most situations. Sure. You know, yeah. just general agreement, mm-hmm. positivity. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Anyway, today we'll be talking about Operation Entebbe, which is a hijacking of a plane. Oh. And how that gets resolved.
0: Sounds pretty because,
1: uh, yeah. kooky. Maybe different word.
0: Maybe a different word <laughs> choice. All right, I'll I'll reel it in.
1: I feel like my fourth grade teacher was kooky.
0: Okay, good 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 point.
1: <laughs> good point. Okay, so on June twenty seventh, nineteen seventy six, an Air France plane took off from Tel Aviv, Israel, with its final destination being in Paris. It had a layover in Athens, Greece, and all was going well flying through the air everybody's just trying to get where they need to be it's 1976 which i'm going to come out now and say it there was no cell phones before you do Mm. and the flight initially had 246 passengers with a flight crew of 12 and they like i said had a stop in athens greece where they let out 38 and picked up another 58 passengers so he basically gained 20 overall okay unfortunately Of the 58, there were four hijackers among that group from various organizations. Two of them were Palestinians from the Popular Front for the Liberation of Palestine external operations and two Germans belonging to the left-wing extremist group called Revolutionary Cells. So they were up to no good.
0: Uh, Right. (laughs) Okay.
1: And shortly after takeoff from Athens heading to Paris... The three men and one woman revealed concealed weapons and threatened to murder the passengers on the flight if they were not immediately diverted en route to Uganda.
0: It's so crazy to think about a time before, like, airport security. Because, I mean, I know it was, like, really just, like, pre-9-11, but it's, like, I couldn't even imagine just being able to, like, go on a plane with, like, a knife and nobody knows, you know? Or, like, a gun. Yeah. That's insane.
1: I mean, because... I don't know. We were, what, four when We were 9/11? very young, yeah. Yeah. I just, I have never experienced that world.
0: No, right. I mean, me neither. That's what I'm saying. And I'm sure that they had,
1: because I would assume that they were at least checking passports, but I don't think that they scanned your bag or anything.
0: Yeah, like, there wasn't really, I mean, I guess I don't really know, but I think that there wasn't really any security. Yeah. It was just kind of like, walk into the airport, walk on the plane, dee 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 dee, dee I have a knife in my bag. Like. <laughs>
1: maybe. Maybe. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, we, t- wow. I just mirrored everything you said for the last five <laughs> seconds. I'm sorry. That
1: was annoying. Oh my God. We're like, oh my we should God. date.
0: This is why we're best friends.
1: <sighs> I'm going to puke. <laughs> All right. So with passengers at gunpoint, the air crew radios their situation to the ground authorities and changes course for Benghazi, Libya, where the plane lands and is refueled. So this is the closest major airport en route to Uganda that they can find. However, they radioed to the ground so they know that this is happening mm-hmm. and they have no idea where they're going to end up. They just know that we're flying this way. We don't know what their plan is, we don't know what their demands are. And so the Israeli authorities and French authorities, so like France, Air France is a part of the French government. So they are basically freaking the fuck out,
0: right? Trying to figure should. out and
1: just putting into plans like, okay, we need to like establish di- diplomatic ties, like communications. We need to like. They're just scrambling and trying to react to what's happening in real time.
0: Quick question, sorry. How yeah. many? Um, how many people were there hijacking? Five, you said. Four. Four, and one of them was a woman, or
1: yeah. Okay. Just
0: I just want to like, yep. be able to picture, picture it. it. Yes, thank you. Oh my god, this is three for three. Okay. okay.
1: Yeah. Um, feminism. Well,
0: wait, have you ever seen, I'm sorry to give you another tangent, but, um, there's a YouTube video of, um, this person who's like, they walk into this like horrendous, like murder scene or whatever. And they're like, Oh my God, this is the worst thing I've ever seen. Like, you know, uh, this murderer just like killed a bunch of men. And then it comes out that the murderer was a woman and it's a, it's a comedy sketch, but the, the woman who's like in the room, she's like, Oh my God, like the woman did this. did all this yes queen (laughs) but i'm sorry that maybe is inappropriate but i just thought it was very funny
1: similar Um, bit could be made here yeah um so yeah one of them's a woman people on the ground are freaking out trying to react and as the plane is refueling in benghazi libya patricia martel a british-born israeli citizen begins to fake a miscarriage so she's pregnant Whoa! And it's, it's like I might lose the baby, and so they brought a doctor in to verify, like, okay, is she telling the truth? Like, is she actually in danger? And the doctor just kind of went along with it, right? And they actually were sympathetic to her and released her.
0: Wow! Wait, so they're they're not in the air anymore?
1: Yeah, they're on the ground They've in Benghazi, blamed. okay, refueling. Great. Which takes a while, oh, right? For anyone who's had a flight delayed, right. So, I mean, they're all just sitting there. Like, I'm sure that they're pointing guns at people. And one of them actually, so I didn't, I left this detail out, but one of them had a grenade and was like, I'm going to let it go. That's
0: a a bit of a big detail to leave out.
1: (laughs) Sorry. It's okay. (laughs) But I did remember that. So basically they're, you know, grenade in hand, guns in hand, pointing it at people. And they're just sitting there on the runway while it refuels.
0: Oh my gosh. So I can't
1: even imagine how tense that is. Especially if you're in first class, which I'm assuming is where they went because it's close to the pilot, right? I guess. But I don't know for sure. But I mean, whoever the person with the gun in their face is like, wow.
0: And they like let this pregnant woman off. That's, I guess, nice. I guess now they know they have some sort of compassion i don't know
1: i mean it, it seems to come up in every story it's just like these weird lines of morality that people have yeah um but they did release her as for the rest of the plane full of passengers taken hostage they sat in benghazi's airport while the plane was being refueled for the tense long seven hours before they took off again
0: Ooh. Seven hours. Seven hours. That is a almost a full time. work
1: day. Yeah. That you're just having a gun pointed at you, and I don't even know. Like, what if you have to pee? Like, just shut the fuck up. I guess.
0: Maybe you, know? you just pee yourself, or maybe they were letting people go to the bathroom. I have no idea. Because seven hours on a plane, like, <clears throat> there's some there's some odors that happen. You know. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah. Even in a regular flight. Yeah. Like, okay. So uh, anyway, they took off again, and during this time, uh, authorities in Israel are preparing the communication and diplomatic avenues, as I mentioned, while stressing the importance of not releasing the hostages' names and nationalities because they're fearing that they're going to target a specific group of people. So they're like, they might not figure out everyone's nationality, so they're like, do not publish the names of these people, do not publish their nationality, like, keep a wrap on this, and maybe it'll save somebody, like, literally. Yeah, And so the plane flew towards Uganda where it landed at Entebbe airport a full 24 hours after the plane initially took off. This is now 24 hours into the flight and we've touched down in Uganda. People obviously have no idea where they are. Mm -hmm. They're just kind of hoping for the best. And outside the plane's windows were several Ugandan troops and the passengers were immediately elated, like, they're going to help us, they're going to save us. And as the soldiers were striding up the ramp to the plane, they got up there and shook hands with the hijackers.
0: What?
1: And everyone's devastated because they know that the soldiers are involved in the hijacking.
0: Oh my God. Talk about a plot twist.
1: Yeah. So the Ugandan army is sanctioning and actively helping this hijacking attempt
0: okay so what's the goal here like what are they doing with because the plane is now on the ground and there's like a bunch of people and like crew and shit like what's the goal
1: we'll get to that okay so they are devastated right yeah and (laughs) (laughs)
0: i'm like i'm devastated too like the
1: (laughs) fuck They watch as more Ugandan soldiers amass outside the plane, along with other militants that would aid in the extortion attempt. Even Idi Amin, the Ugandan president, made a personal appearance, which again made passengers temporarily hopeful before they realized that he was in on the job.
0: He was in on the poop. Yeah. Oh my god.
1: So this was the first ever hijacking that had overt assistance from an army of a state.
0: Jesus.
1: Yeah, so... The president of Uganda was not fond of the Israelis after they refused to provide him with a squadron of jets so that he could bomb nearby Kenya and Tanzania. He immediately reacted by expelling all Israeli residents of Uganda, and it was speculated that he may be involved in this hijacking as revenge for that. So this dude is fucking crazy.
0: Yeah.
1: He might be quote unquote president, but he's really a dictator. Right. So this is possibly why he's taking revenge on civilians, which is insane. So we didn't allow you to bomb countries. So you're mad. I don't know. It was beyond me.
0: Like the worst kind of tantrum.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't get it. I don't either. Anyway, so the passengers are forced at gunpoint into the transit hall of an airport terminal that was no longer in use. And President Amin later made another appearance and made a speech in support of the Popular Front for the Liberation of Palestine, although this was not known to the Israelis at the time, mm. so he's making us, you know, a speech in support of the group that the terrorists are aligned with. So after securing the passengers, the hijackers contact international media with their demands. So this is what they want: they want a ransom of five million dollars for the release of the airplane from Air France, along with the release of 53 Palestinian and pro-Palestinian militants from prisons around the world, but with the majority of them being held in Israel. I think it was about 40. So if their demands are not met by July 1st, they will begin executing hostages. So this is pretty clear and straightforward what they want. Yeah. And back in Israel, Prime Minister Yitzhak Rabin phones U.S. President Gerald Ford, asking him to contact the Egyptian government and request their aid in negotiating with Ugandan President Idi Amin. And basically, this is the beginning of a like very extensive list of negotiations that they try to go through to get them to release the hostages. Wow. This was a big deal because Egypt was not particularly friendly to the Israeli situation, but it promised to do what they can. So the Israeli cabinet is breaking into a furious argument about what to do with this because this is, I mean, they don't want to release the uh, militants because they've been convicted under their laws, right? If they don't, then like over 200 people will die. Right. They're going back and forth on whether they should even negotiate with the terrorists or not because the rationale is if they negotiate and release prisoners, then this will encourage further terrorism right. and like, you know, okay... We got what we wanted. We're just going to do it again. But, you know, again, you know, if you don't negotiate with them, they could blow up 200 people that are just innocent civilians. Horrifying. Yeah. They're really just trying to, like, thread the line here and see what's the best outcome that they can produce. But it's just really, you're fucked either way. So they actually prepare to release the 40 Palestinian prisoners that they're holding if a military intervention seemed unlikely to succeed. So they're like in the worst case scenario, we're probably going to release these prisoners. They get on the phone with the US and Britain who are adamant that they should not negotiate with terrorists and inform Israel that they will, under no circumstances, release any of their prisoners. Hmm. So the US and Britain are both aligned on the, we will not negotiate with terrorists line, but Israel's kind of considering both. So several negotiations and political avenues were tried to get the Ugandan president. Amin to release the hostages in Entebbe. So a retired Israel Defense Forces officer, Baruch Berka Barlev, had a strong personal relationship with Amin because before 1972, Israel and Uganda actually had worked together and Israel firms had actually helped to build the airport that they're at, which we'll come back uh, to talk about later. But from these collaborations, this officer had a personal relationship with and So they were like, please get on the phone and try to negotiate with him and find a diplomatic solution to end this and release the hostages. But there was no success. He was hardline. I'm not going to intervene because they don't really know yet if he's directly involved. So he's just saying I'm not going to touch it.
0: I see. So He's just not budging.
1: Yeah, political avenues are... Exhausted. Not exhausted yeah pretty much so back to the hostages on june 29th two days after the hijacking the hijackers destroyed a wall separating the waiting hall that the hostages were currently in and just another open space and they began to separate the group calling out different names to be put into the new space and although The German terrorist from revolutionary cells calling out the names was adamant that this was not based on nationality or ethnicity. It was very clear to everyone involved that he was only targeting Israelis and Jews. Okay. Throughout the group of hostages, they were silently like signaling to themselves that this is like the concentration camps at Auschwitz where they would decide who died and lived immediately.
0: God, that's horrifying. Were there any like children there?
1: Uh, I mean, there had to be. Yeah. Um, I don't know for sure, but I mean, you know, pretty much you're just sitting there in this room. You mean you're already, I'm sure I've been terrified from the moment that they took over the plane, but now they're putting you into a separate room. Yeah. And it's like obvious that this is Israeli citizens and Jews only like what else would you assume? No. Yeah.
0: That's it's awful.
1: So as they were doing this, one of the hostages that was moved to the other room was actually a Holocaust survivor. Oh
0: my God.
1: So you survived that to get put into this situation. I can't even imagine. Um, He showed the German terrorist that was putting them into the rooms and calling out, out the names. He showed him the registration number tattooed on his arm from the concentration camp. Right. To which the German replied, I'm no Nazi. I'm an idealist.
0: Okay. What?
1: So, five non Israeli hostages were also moved to the new room, four of which were ultra Orthodox Jewish couples. And there was a French resident of Israel who they suspected was hiding their citizenship status. So, they're pretty much Jewish or Israeli. Right. Anyone that they think might be Israeli, they're shoving into this new room. And after this separation, the hijackers released 48 of the non Israeli hostages on the 30th of June. Mostly elderly, sick passengers, and mothers with children. So, yes, so there were children. Oh my god. And can you imagine being a mother trying to comfort your children? Luckily, they released. 48 of these kind of I would I don't know I would call them like
0: non-Jewish people? non-Jewish
1: but like, you know, vulnerable, more vulnerable yeah, people. Yeah, like
0: older people, sick people, women and children. I get that. But the this is scary. The um okay, keep going.
1: Yeah, the Air France crew that was crewing the flight, oh yeah. There was 12 of them and they refused to leave and said that they would stick with the hostages until the end of the situation.
0: Wow, that is so so crazy i mean like that just oh my god (laughs)
1: like there's oh god i said it
0: (laughs) that's preposterous um no but there's another plane hijacking story that i'm sure i'll cover at some point but again with the flight attendants like just doing the most when it's like at the at the end of the day we're all people and like I, i don't know like that's that's some hero shit right there
1: yeah I can't say that I would do the same.
0: Yeah, like, I don't, I I don't know, you know, how, how do you find that brand of person to be like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm cool. I'll, I'll risk my life to stay here because it's my job, question mark. That's above your pay grade.
1: Yeah, let alone 12 of them.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying that like, they're like, that's incredible. I'm not saying they're wrong. But like, wow, just wow.
1: Yeah. Just a while, um, so the group of the released hostages were flown out by Air France from Entebbe to Paris, and they safely touched down. Okay. Meanwhile, like I said in the background, they're going back and forth about whether to negotiate or not, mm-hmm. and. At the last minute, 90 minutes, well, I guess not the last minute. You get what I'm saying. Yes. 90 minutes before the deadline expired on July 1st, the Israeli government agreed to negotiate, and the militants moved the deadline to noon on July 4th to give them some time to consider the demands and meet them and go back and forth. Wow. So they pretty much, they haven't completely abandoned the we will not negotiate with terrorists. They're like, we might Right. And they get this deadline extension because, you know, they're trying to, like, mount a military operation in the meantime, which takes a little time to plan. And yeah. Uganda's pretty far away from Israel. Right. So that was a tactical move by them to buy themselves more time. And after this agreement, President Amin made another personal appearance at the terminal to announce that Israel was going to negotiate and to announce the new deadline to the hostages. And another group of 100 non-Israeli passengers were released and flown out to Paris after this. So now only 106 hostages remain. There's 84 Israeli hostages, 10 French, and then there's the air crew of 12. Okay. So these are the people that are left and they know or think that they're all Israelis or the air crew. This is like a direct target of a nationality. So they've pretty much gotten everyone else out who might be collateral damage.
0: Oh my God. Okay.
1: With the extra time, the Israeli government breaks into furious discussions on how to proceed. Many of them wanted to actually give in to the hijackers' demands in order to gain the release of the hostages. But others, mostly from the intelligence and military community, refuted that idea, taking the hardline stance of that this we shouldn't negotiate, we shouldn't release them, this will encourage further terrorism. So, I mean, this pressure is mounting, like, we gotta make a call here soon. So, a final decision is made that there will be no negotiation. So instead of negotiating, the Israeli defense forces will mount a rescue with the only three days left before the noon deadline of July 4th set by the hijackers. And the IDF commanders convene an emergency meeting to determine their strategy for a rescue mission. The initial plan, which I thought you would appreciate, Mm -hmm. was to drop naval commandos into bordering Lake Victoria. Inflate rubber boats, ride them to the airport, and neutralize any defenses that they came in contact with, and then just hope that President Amin would let them fly out of Entebbe Airport. Because, remember, they don't know whose side he's on. Right. They quickly abandoned this plan, obviously, because if President Amin was not cool with this, Uh they would be fucked. Right. And the other detail that they were informed of that they didn't know previously is that Lake Victoria is infested with Nile crocodiles. Oh, no. Which would not bode well for the rescue mission. Somebody falls off, might probably get eaten.
0: Yeah, plain hijacking, but make it spicy, I guess.
1: Yes, um, spicy.
0: Well, crocodiles
1: crocodile spicy. So this was a good call because obviously we know that President Amin is in on taking the hostages. So they would be stranded if they pursued this route. Right. So the most likely operation that would succeed would be to fly the soldiers into Uganda and land in or nearby the airport and attack and get them out via plane they started drawing up plans for how they could make that happen. And the problem with this is that Entebbe is so far away from Israel that they couldn't get there without refueling. So they would have to stop in a nearby African country in order to refuel and then make the trip to Uganda and then come back. So this is a huge problem because all the African nations in the area might be sympathetic to the situation, but they don't want to incur the wrath of President Amin if they were to allow them to refuel refuel in yeah. their country and then go attack Uganda.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, rightfully so. They know that this guy is a fucking lunatic. So I can't even imagine. Like, it's just not a good situation for anyone. Again, no one might say crazy. <laughs> the American military had in-air refueling capabilities, which would have helped them, but the Americans would have had to fly over African airspace and need the permission of several of those nations in order to do that, which would have tipped off the Ugandans. Right. So they kind of need to keep a low profile and act like they're going to comply with the demands rather than attack Attack the the, um, terrorists. So that option's out. This means that the rescue operation needs to land in one of the East African nations. It has to be, we have to get agreement from one of those governments. So the preferred and closest option was Kenya, which is across Lake Victoria, and is pretty much the closest African nation on the east side of Africa. So they could fly in from the ocean to Kenya and not have to cross any other African nation's airspace, refuel there, and then go do what they need to do in Uganda. Again, Kenya was sympathetic, but really did not want to let them land in their airspace if they didn't absolutely have to because of how Ugandan president would react. Britain's MI6 direct relationship with the Kenya's minister of agriculture, just a very strange connection of who knows who, Sure. coupled with an outcry um, from both a prominent Jewish owner of a large hotel chain and the Jewish Israeli community at large in Kenya, with their outcry of, please let them land, and this covert connection that they have with the Kenyan government they actually pressured the Kenyan president to allow them to land in their airspace and refuel and then also to gather intelligence before the raid so with all this pressure they finally got him to agree and the planning the rest of the planning of this raid could move forward because this was really just a long shot they don't know if it's going to work and there's a lot of moving parts that they still need to get into place because they don't really know where the hostages are. They don't know how many of them there are. They don't know what weapons they have. They don't know the layout of the airport. They don't know, you know, there's a a lot lot of things things that they got (laughs) to put into place before they can go on this mission. But step one is done. That's good. So we can get into Kenya. The mission planning was further complicated because again, the proper layout of the airport was unknown and they don't really know where to go. And if, the building had already been rigged with explosives to kill all the hostages, so they don't know that. To gain information about the airport and the location of the hostages, Mossad, Israel's intelligence agency, interviewed the released hostages because, remember, there was almost 150 of them. So they just start talking to these people just to get any information about, you know, how many... right.
0: What of weapons
1: yeah. so from a french jewish passenger with a military background that had been released they were able to find out where the hostages were being held the number of hijackers involved and even what Weapons they were using because uh-huh. he has a military background, so he knows like okay, that's an AK. He knows what type of rifles they have, grenades, etc. And the most important part that the Ugandan troops were actually assisting in the hijacking. Wow! So they might not have direct okay from the president, but they have support from the Ugandan military, or at least some of the soldiers who may have gone rogue. Meaning the the hijackers. Correct. Okay. This passenger was able to give detailed information on the weapons that they had readily available, and a stroke of luck also helped the raid planning because Mossad found out that an Israeli construction firm had actually built the terminal where the hostages were being held. Wow. So they were able to, from blueprints and personal accounts, create a replica of the airport as exact as you could be uh, that they were going to raid. Great. So we basically know a lot of what we're going into now and they can kind of move forward with a little more confidence. Good. While in the planning stage before July 4th, a Ugandan ambassador overheard Kenyan Air Force officers discussing the possibility of compensation from the Israeli government for landing in their country and he, with this intelligence he reported it to his commander of the army, basically saying like, "Hey, the Israelis are up to All something. Right. They're going to land in right. Kenya because they're talking about possibly being compensated oh, for shit. this."
0: That's not
1: good. So the intelligence was dismissed by the commander of the army claiming that it was rubbish, but the person who overheard it went over his head and directly gave warning to President Amin, who was completing his responsibilities at the Organization of African Unity, and Amin immediately flew back to Uganda after he was done. But he did not plan a military force to attack the Israeli forces because it was reported that he seriously feared retribution from Israel and their allies should Ugandan soldiers be sanctioned to fire upon them, like on landing. Hmm. So he basically got this report and was scared of what might happen if he shot Israeli soldiers because basically you're starting a war at that point. Yeah. Right? The final plan is risky, but pretty straightforward. It turns out that they were gonna deploy four military airplanes from Israel. They would take off and then head to Uganda over the ocean to try to avoid radar and avoid going over airspace, over land of countries that might not be friendly to them with a total strike force of a hundred soldiers who would assault the airport terminal secure it protect the planes while they refueled and then fly home
0: this is all very complicated i'm following you but i'm like whoa okay so like no no i'm following i followed
1: cool yeah basically they're going to fly yeah. and then get out. Yeah, no, I got I guess it. if I had to explain it one it. sentence. I'm
0: just like the, the whole... The story as a whole is just like, <laughs>
1: whoa. There's a lot going on. Yeah. So this team is split into three elements. First is the ground command and control, which will basically be quarterbacking the operation from the air. Mm-hmm. Then is the assault element, which will assault the terminal and bring out the hostages. This is made up of 29 of their most elite soldiers, like basically what I would assume is their Navy Navy SEALs. So the third part is the security element, which is split up into another three parts. Number one, the paratroopers who would secure the airport field and clear the runways so that the they could protect the airplanes while they're refueling and like make sure that nobody's going to like land and crash into them or people are going to shoot out their plane. The next force is the Golani force, which will protect the military planes specifically tasked with rescuing the hostages. So this is, this is the plane the hostages are going in. And then act as like kind of reserves, like if they need to go help anywhere else, they're like they're ready. And then the last part will clear the military airstrip nearby because there's like a civilian airport and there's a bunch of like military planes that are separate. So right. they're going to clear that part of the airstrips and destroy any military airplanes that Uganda has so that they can't follow them back. Wow. So the, the, it's like everybody has their job, but it needs to be done to a T in order for this to work.
0: Sounds like it. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ.
1: The the last part of the security force, the Sayaret Makkal force, will also repel any attack from Ugandan military forces should they respond from the city. So, if Uganda is fully in on it and they're going to send people in, this is the team that's going to respond to that. And so, they set this plan and bring it up with the Israeli uh, government. And they're like, Do you think this can succeed? And they're like, Yes. So, they're like, Okay, we're going to go ahead with it. And on the evening of July 3rd, just hours before before the July 4th deadline, the Stripe Force loads up and takes off and they're waiting in their planes. The team takes off and flies over the Red Sea at a height of no more than 100 feet above the ocean. And from their windows, the soldiers can actually see the waves breaking below them as the airplanes blast along at almost 400 miles an hour. I don't know, visualize 100 feet. Mm-hmm. It's about the, it's about the height of our apartment building, to be honest.
0: <laughs> so like three floors,
1: <laughs> three floors. And this is how close they're flying to the ocean. And they're doing this so that they can avoid ground radar detection. So like people are, who are in military bases or airports can't detect them right. because they're so low. Exactly. However, if they are detected by other planes that happen to be in the area, they're screwed mm. because you can obviously see them if, um, you're, in the air above them so they're just kind of praying that nobody else is in their flight path at this time wow not to mention that they have to fly near the egyptians sudanese and saudi arabians who are not friendly to them at the time oh no so this is very tense they're pretty much flying in ocean space or I guess it's technically enemy airspace of people that could shoot at them at any moment if they're detected. Uh They're ripping along and nervously the pilots are keeping their composure and know that any small mistake that they have, they will end up plummeting into the ocean and pretty much being disintegrated because, you know,
0: they're moving very fast and they're <laughs> close to the ground. Yeah, That's I mean, terrible. you can
1: imagine like just on a plane when you hit turbulence. Yeah. You, you can drop, I'm sure, a few hundred feet easily. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's really tense. And this is like hours of flight that they're undertaking before they get to Kenya.
0: This is extremely
1: intense. <laughs> so trailing behind the strike forces for military planes are two Boeing 707s, which are civilian transports. The idea with these two is that one will be retrofitted with a medical facility uh-huh. to treat anyone who might get injured in the operation. And the other one will help get the hostages out of Kenya. Okay. The military planes are storing like the soldiers, weapons, right. bombs, yeah. and armored military vehicles and then these two civilian planes will follow behind and like be support. Yeah. So they won't actually land at the Entebbe airport, but they'll be nearby. <clears throat> they'll be nearby in Kenya. So they're tailing behind as well, posing as like an actual civilian flight. Okay. So they don't have to worry as much. Hours later, the planes have landed at Jomo Kenyatta International Airport in Nairobi, Kenya, and one of the 707s, the medical support plane, is left behind while the other five planes are refueled and are getting ready to take off for the assault. On approach to the airport, the remaining 707 circled overhead for Ground command and control to be in communication with the ground forces and pretty much just like quarterback the operation so at 11 p.m on july 3rd just hours before the deadline expires the four military planes all land with their cargo bay doors already open so that soldiers can jump out as soon as they land and as they're landing Everything goes smoothly, but the first plane almost taxis into a ditch because it's pitch black. Oh. Because it's eleven PM.
0: Right. Didn't think about that one.
1: So they were able to stomp on the brakes the last second, but this is the only mishap that happened during the landing. And like again, remember that they're not welcome and they're not expecting them. So they're not like waving them in with lights. It's just kind of like we are hoping. We're kind of hoping that it's the runway. I mean I'm sure that they had some reflectors, but you know it's not normal not great from the planes they roll out a black mercedes made to look like president amin's personal vehicle along with his usual convoy of two land rovers all bearing the insignia of the ugandan president so they're pretty much trying to impersonate him
0: catfish (laughs) yeah
1: (laughs) so they're trying to catfish him and like roll past any security okay like that's pretty sneaky. So it's pretty much like the trojan horse
0: that is pretty sneaky day. okay
1: very sneaky and inside each vehicle are the israeli assault team hoping to just slide past the security checkpoints get the hostages and get out mm-hmm. get the fuck out please so as the vehicles approach one of the sentries or guards at a checkpoint orders the cars to stop because he knows that president amin has recently purchased a white mercedes <gasps> and they're in a black mercedes and he's like this is fishy oh shit! so the vehicle rolls to a stop and at this point they have no choice and colonel Yonatan Netanyahu orders the commandos to shoot them with silent, silenced pistols. <gasps> so they fire a couple shots at the sentries, and like assuming this was going to kill them, and they begin to like roll away and start moving quickly towards the hostages. But the second car realized that the soldiers were not dead yet, and one of them was reaching for his rifle, and they had to roll their win- windows down and shoot with their unsilenced rifles to kill them so they didn't raise the alarm Jeez. for other soldiers. Okay. And as soon as they did that, they knew that their cover is probably given up. Right. Yeah, so, probably. So they're hurrying towards the hostages. Meanwhile, the other sec- one of the other security elements tasked with securing the entrance of the airport rushes towards that and starts to set up a defensive position. Should anyone from the city respond to this rescue attempt so they're holding that down, and the other security element makes a beeline to the adjacent military f- airfield and begins to destroy the 11 Ugandan airplanes so that they can't follow them back. Oh. So basically, they're just firing grenades at these airplanes and just trying to blow them the fuck up. And... They do that perfectly. The Ugandan pilots that were on base in the airport rush out from their barracks in a panic only to see their planes being absolutely blown up. And in that moment, all that remained of the planes were smoking wrecks and they flee from the airfield. They're like... I can't do anything i'm a pilot it's
0: above my pay grade yeah for sure
1: (laughs) yep and back inside the terminal the assault force is bursting into the building on foot one of the soldiers breaks into the airport terminal and screams in both english and hebrew stay down stay down we're israeli soldiers Unfortunately, a confused 19-year-old French immigrant, Jean-Jacques Maimoni, stands up and is immediately shot by the commandos because he didn't know what was happening. I mean, it's pitch black, you're terrified, and he just jumped up out of confusion and they shot shot him because they thought that he was one of the militants.
0: Oh God, that's so sad.
1: In the firefight, 52-year-old Pasco Cohen and 56-year-old Ida Borochovich killing these names. (laughs) Yeah. 56-year-old Ida Birochovic, a Russian Jew, was also fatally wounded by the commandos in this burst of gunfire. Sad. But the rest of the hostages got down and they were spared.
0: Okay, that's good.
1: From an eyewitness account, Wilfried Bose is the only hijacker that rushes into the hall that is holding the hostages after the gunshots are heard. He initially pointed his rifle at the hostages like, you shoot, I'm gonna shoot everyone. But after a short moment he realizes that the situation's pretty hopeless for him and he orders the hostages to seek shelter in the bathroom and immediately turns and tries to fire at the commandos and they immediately shoot him down okay so one terrorist out one commando that's interesting yeah why did he this was um i i really was trying to understand this part too yeah because they have this weird re- relationship with morality like they let the the pregnant woman go yeah and, and then now they're, they're
0: like letting the hostages go into the bathroom.
1: Yeah, they they released a bunch of hostages. Yeah. and then I mean, he, I'm I'm
0: happy about it.
1: Yes, but, but then then he, like, yeah, weird, weird. And then he's like, "I'm not a Nazi. I'm an idealist." Yeah. And then you know, instead of threatening them, you just move towards a hopeless situation. Right. Trying to just kill one of them. Interesting. So, I don't know. It kind of told me that he really, in his soul, didn't like really deep down didn't want to kill anyone
0: well that's good
1: per se yeah but, i mean then again still a
0: terrorist you know and he's doing you, all this bad shit. you're
1: getting right up to that yeah, line Yeah, it's like you know? where
0: where do you okay
1: so one commando of the assault team asked the hostages like where are the rest of the hijackers and they all point to the door inside the terminal's main hall and the commandos quickly line up outside this entrance and throw in three grenades And after they explode, they burst through the doors and shoot the remaining terrorists who are wounded and dazed after three grenades exploded right in front of them. Right. So this ends their assault, pretty much. They've killed all the terrorists inside and the building is secure and they rush the hostages to the exit and hurry hurry them along to the waiting plane outside to get them to the runway, refuel and take off. So as the assault team is escorting the hostages out of their terminal that they were being kept, the Golani force tasked with keeping the rescue plane secure is under assault by a platoon of Ugandan soldiers, most of which have taken cover of an airport control tower. So they're shooting down at these soldiers while they're trying to get the hostages into the plane. So from their vantage point, the Ugandan soldiers begin to fire down at them, uh, at the hostages and the soldiers as they're being loaded into the plane. This wounded five commandos and ended up killing the unit commander, Yonatan Netanyahu. And the Israeli armored vehicles respond with cover fire and an RPG round that explo- like blows up the control tower, killing most of the soldiers inside and effectively like silencing any opposition.
0: This is insane. This so. is some crazy shit. Could you imagine you just get on a plane and you're like, I'm going to go over here. And then you're in a fucking, like, you're in a war zone only a couple days later? I'm sorry. Huh?
1: Unsubscribe.
0: I do not like that.
1: Yeah. So, I, I mean, I can't even imagine how traumatized these people are. I mean, let alone the soldiers, but. Well, yeah. Um, but Jesus. They're saving these people. Yeah, no, I mean. So. Shit. They blow that control tower to bits, and the rest of the surviving 102 hostages and Netanyahu's body are quickly loaded into the planes, and the assault force immediately takes off. So, so they're hallelujah. Out. They're out.
0: Holy shit. Okay, good.
1: The mission's planes hurtle back to Nairobi and link up with the waiting medical plane, which immediately begins to treat the wounded as it climbs into the sky and heads for home. Good. So they're like, we're getting the fuck out. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Immediately as you should
1: the entire operation only lasted 53 minutes with the assault itself only lasting 30 what? so this was extremely quick in yeah. and out like intense burst of violence seven hijackers and 33 to 45 Ugandan soldiers were killed. So four hijackers took over the plane, but there were three more waiting for them at the airport. Right. They were all killed. 11 Ugandan planes were destroyed and three hostages were killed, who I mentioned, and 10 were wounded. Wow. But I mean, all in all, this is like, I mean, pretty best case scenario for this rescue operation. It like went almost to a T. Yeah,
0: I guess. But I mean, they still, there were a couple hostages that unfortunately died which is
1: so sad i know it's it's so sad but i mean it's just it's like know,
0: how how do how does that that sort of operation go so smoothly you know what i mean yeah
1: i mean it could have been a lot worse because yeah, you know no, if they could've. had known if they had known that the that it was israeli soldiers coming they probably could have blown up all no, of for them for sure i mean it's um so yeah
0: i mean it, yeah i guess it's like
1: you, definitely not ideal you want no one to die but
0: yeah you take what you can get i guess i don't I guess, really know how to know. respond to that but it um, sounds weird, doesn't it? Yeah, it just feels wrong. Yeah, but I mean, how do we sitting here talk about it? Like, we're like, well, they did the best they could. Like, <laughs> Yeah,
1: <laughs> but I mean, they did. Uh, so. Yeah, I guess. Uh, you know, so President Amin, mm-hmm. remember that guy? Right. Was furious after the raid. Unpredictably so, right? Yeah, I don't like him. And allegedly said that he could have taught the Israelis a lesson if he had known that they were going to strike. Okay, <laughs> Which, great. Okay, take this with a grain of salt, this, like, contrast, because this is a he said, she said reporting that I'm, like, giving. Right. That, like, somebody told him before the raid. But, you know, it just kind of is in line with, I feel like, this type of person who is, like, a strong man, fucking lunatic, just to be, like, having to save his ego, And being like, I could have totally fucked them up if I just (laughs) knew, you know? Yeah, whatever. So in retaliation, he took 14 Ugandan soldiers and arrested them for suspicion of helping the Israelis in the assault, 12 of which he shot in their barracks.
0: Oh my God.
1: Just for suspicion.
0: That's so fucked up.
1: Yeah. The other two were spared because of their proximity to President Amin.
0: Meaning he like knew where they were
1: like i think that they were related to high up generals oh, in the sure, army sure 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 so they were spared but 12 of them were like just shot
0: that's so shitty god damn
1: so he was far from finished with his retaliation and threatened direct military action against kenya for the support of the operation so kenya's fear was completely warranted at yeah. the beginning of this operation yeah 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 And in response, the U.S. dispatched their aircraft carrier into the Indian Ocean for protection of the Kenyans, being like, okay, if you attack them, we are going to respond with all we can muster from the aircraft carrier. Mm -hmm. While he did not take direct military action against Kenya, Amin ordered the murder of one of the hostages who had been left behind. (gasps) Dora Block.
0: There was a hostage left behind?
1: She was. The day before the rescue, she was sent to a hospital because she was choking on a chicken bone.
0: Oh my god. And while she
1: was recovering, the rescue operation took place. So she was the only one left behind. She was a 74-year-old Israeli woman, and Amin ordered her murder. And the soldiers who executed her shot her and several Ugandan doctors and nurses who apparently tried to intervene.
0: I am heartbroken at that. That is so, so sad.
1: I know, I mean, she's just a pawn, really.
0: That is extremely devastating. Ugh, God. Okay, keep going.
1: Amin would also order the murder of hundreds of Kenyans living in Uganda. And at the end of this, 245 Kenyans were killed by July 11th and 3,000 fled their impending massacre.
0: Oh my God. I don't know what to say. Like, this is horrifying. What is happening?
1: He's losing it. We killed a 74-year-old woman, and now we've just killed 245 people based on their nationality. That's so
0: many people. That is so many people.
1: So Israel faced international condemnation from many states, and they actually put forth a resolution in the UN condemning them for what it called, quote-unquote, provocative actions, though this resolution was never brought to a vote. So... The Ugandan and Israeli representatives were summoned before the U.N. Security Council after a complaint was filed by the chairman of the Organization of African Unity, and they charged Israel with an act of aggression. So the Ugandan foreign minister claimed the hostage situation was nearing a peaceful diplomatic resolution, which we kind of know was not true. And the Israeli ambassador charged Uganda with being fully complicit in the hijacking, which we kind of know is true. (sighs) And in the end, a general resolution condemning international terrorism and calling for stronger civil air security without condemning Israel's actions was raised but failed to pass in general assembly. So basically, there was a lot of talk in the UN, but nothing
0: happened. Okay. So... Uh... That was a lot of information.
1: (laughs) Yeah. We can cut that out if you want. No, no, no. But, uh, I mean, basically, like, some countries were really pissed off. Others were very much in support. And, Uh I don't know, I guess they just, like, nothing Just like a bunch of bullshit. Yeah, there was a lot of talk. Okay. So, most Western nations would go on to praise the Israeli raid, calling it an impossible operation. And... To leave you on a piece of good information, Edie Amin, the president of Uganda, was removed as leader of Uganda less than three years after the operation. Well, that's good. So he was removed. But that is the story of Operation Entebbe.
0: Wow, quite the story. Very dense. That? Okay.
1: I hope it wasn't too dense, but I tried to, like, get as much detail into the story as possible and try and, like, really take you through, like, how these people were feeling and what happened.
0: And it shows. Um So the hostages, they're all... I mean, other than the ones that, unfortunately, were killed, yeah. they all... Did okay they got away and they're all good
1: yep they flew away on their boeing 707 and were treated and went back to their families
0: good jesus christ so, oh my I mean, god truly
1: out of 248 only four were killed
0: yeah i mean that's better than what it could have been i guess shit all right i mean i feel like i'm in a social studies class i know right in the, in the best way possible like <laughs> that's
1: good Not that it's boring no, I no know. No. i hated social studies no
0: no, no. uh but But shit okay i don't know got anything else to say about it like i i kind of just feel like a dummy like (laughs) uh that's i didn't know anything about that that's crazy yeah Uh, i gotta stop saying crazy (laughs) let's see (laughs) get like a spray bottle (laughs) a spray bottle (laughs) that is ridiculous
1: you're looking she's looking up i'm
0: on thesaurus.com it's fine
1: yeah wild
0: it's wild uh anyway and you have a good thing to talk about
1: yeah, cleanse that palette. My good thing is—I don't know if I said this—but we got to see our friends.
0: Yes, we talked about that last time, very briefly. Fuck me. Okay. Well, no, that's okay. It's—I uh, mean, it's
1: you go first.
0: No, I mean I'm—I'm I'm gonna follow suit. Like that is my good thing. But I'm gonna say specifically, there was one night that we sat um, around a fire, and there was a sunset in the sky that looked just fake like it was the most beautiful sunset i think i've ever seen in my life uh and it was just very special and like lots of pictures were taken and damn you know it was just one of the most beautiful things i've ever seen in my life
1: and i agree yeah and we literally were remarking at how awesome it was for like 50 minutes literally the whole time (laughs) throughout the
0: entire sunset we were all just like holy shit
1: would you look at this thing like damn god pulled it out tonight mother earth really fucking did that didn't she (laughs) oh my good thing is that I got to be present for my cousin Dane's first birthday. Oh yeah, he was one. Very cute. And he is so stinking cute. Yes, he has, he's like a real chunky baby. <laughs> and um, they gave him like his own cake. I mean, it was about the size of an iPad.
0: Yeah, very small, but it was like,
1: not very small. But small for a baby, you know. <laughs> right. Um, he just pretty much put both of his hands into the cake and made like a really, honestly, impressively circular hole into the cake mm-hmm. and just shoved it all over his face. Oh yeah, just full coverage. It was like the icing was sunscreen. Yep. And he got it in his hair, and they made like a little spike, yeah, little mohawk, little mohawk for him. Very cute. It was so cute, and I'm I'm just kind of yeah. happy that I got to be there for his birthday because yeah. I'm usually not present for the family's parties in michigan yeah so
0: yeah that was really special um okay well
1: you were there too i
0: was also there that was very good for me um <laughs> uh okay thank you guys so much for listening and we hope you enjoy this one and come back for the next one if you want to listen or if you want to look at the pictures we post of all the stories that we talk about check us out on instagram it's not today underscore podcast if you have a story of your own that you'd like to send us in like your own you know, firsthand account, not, not like, you know, links or anything, just a story you want to tell us that's happened to you. Send it to notodaypodcast at gmail.com. We have a Twitter, notodaypodcast with a T on the end of podcasts is a three. We have a TikTok, notodaypodcast, and just keep breathing. Yeah. Yeah.